0: Chai. Chai. This tal founder acharya jilapoda ki jai antagoti vaishnav vindi jai namacharya sri radhas ki jai brahma shighosh krishna chaitanya prabhnitananda shirai to harishvasini gova bhakti rindi ki jai sri sri shi, radha krishna gopina shyamakunda radha pandi girigovardan ki jai Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai, Matur Dhamma Ki Jai, Navadri Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai, Jagannath Pur Dhamma Ki Jai, Gangamaya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai, Samabheta Bhakta Vrindaki Jai, Gaur All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All all-glories to Sri Guru and Golanga, all-glories to Sri Prabhupada, Nama, Om Vishnipadaya, Krishna Prasthaya Bhutalaya Mati Matibhakti Vinayanta Swami, Niti Namane. Namaste Sarasvati Deva, Gauravani patani Nivisesta Sinyavani, Pasquatiade satarani Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta, Pada Sri, Guru and Vaishnavamcha, Sri Rupam Sagrujatham, Sagana Raghunatham, Vitamstam, Sajivam, Sadvaitam, Sadvadutam Parichana Sahita, Krishna Chetanudevam, she Radha Krishna Padam Sahanganala Lavita Shri Vishakam Vanchikarpati Vrishakupasindhivyabhachapachitanam Patmaneva Vaisna Bebhiro Anamah Om Namo Bhagavateva Sudevaya Om Namo Bhagavateva Sudevaya Om Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om bhagavate Vasudevaya. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 24, Text 35. And this is the 27th of January, 2021, in Hawaii, over the internet. Sankarshanaya Shukshmaya. Sankar Durantayan Takayacha Namo Vishwa Prabodaya Prajum Please check Sankar. Sankarshanaya. Unto, Unto the Master of Integration.
1: Unto the Master of Integration.
0: Sukshmaya. Sukshmaya. Unto the subtle unmanifested material ingredients.
1: Unto the subtle unmanifested material ingredients.
0: Durantaya.
1: Durantaya.
0: Unto the unsurpassable.
1: Unto the unsurpassable.
0: Antakaya. Unto, unto, unto the master of disintegration,
1: disintegration. disintegration. Shah Sha. also. Also.
0: also Namaha, Namaha. Obeisances,
1: obeisances. obeisances.
0: Vishva Prabodaya, Unto the master of the development of the universe. Unto unto master, universe. Universe. Prajumnaya. Prajumnaya, unto Lord Prajumna, unto Atmane. unto the super soul in everyone's heart.
1: muted.
0: unmuted. translation. My dear Lord, you are the origin of the subtle material ingredients, the master of all integration as well as the master of all disintegration, the predominating deity named Sankarshana, and the master of all intelligence known as the predominating deity Prajumna. Therefore I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Srila purport. The whole universe is maintained by the integrating power of the Supreme Lord, who is known in that capacity by the name Sankarsana. The material scientists may have discovered the law of gravity, which maintains the integration of objects within the material energy, yet the master of all integration can create devastation by the disintegrating, blazing fire emanating from his mouths. A description of this can be found in the 11th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, wherein the universal form of the Lord is described. The master of integration is also the destroyer of the world by virtue of his disintegrating energy. Sankarshana is the master of integration and disintegration, whereas Prajumna, another feature of Lord Vasudev, is responsible for universal growth and maintenance. The word Shukshmaya is significant because within this gross material body, there are subtle material bodies, namely mind, intelligence, and ego. The Lord in his different features, Vasudeva, Aniruddha, Pradyumna, and Sankarshana, maintains both the gross and subtle material elements of this world. As mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, the gross material elements are earth, water, fire, air, and ether, and the subtle material elements are mind, intelligence, and ego. All of them are controlled by the Supreme Personality of Godhead as Vasudeva, Sankarsana, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha, and this will be further explained in the following verse. Sankarshana Shukshmaiya Durantayanta Kayacha Namo vishva Prabodaya Prajumnayanta Ratmane. My dear Lord, you are the origin of the subtle material elements, the master of all integration as well as the master of all disintegration, the predominating deity named Sankarshana, and the master of all intelligence known as the predominating deity Prajumna. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. So here we have that the Lord is the master of integration, of attachment. And of course, Balaram is called Sankarsana because he was attracted from the womb of uh, Devaki to the womb of Rohini. This attractive quality, and of course this attractive quality of the Lord is why we call him Krishna. the word karsh to attract that he is all attractive Prahlad Maharaj says to his teachers I can't give up following Krishna just like little pieces of iron can't give up being attracted to a magnet he integrates everything we can think of a a weaver there's the warp and the weft and then he's also the lord of disintegration Prabhupada talks about fire coming out of his mouth he destroys everything and he's the Lord of the subtle. Prabhupada talks about the false ego here, the mind, intelligence, and false ego, the subtle body. So Lord Shiva is offering his respects to the Lord who is the Lord of, of integration, the Lord of disintegration, and the Lord of the subtle. So the Lord of integration, it, it's interesting, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, in commenting on this verse, and makes it all into a prayer. So the way that Srila Prabhupada translates and comments on this verse, it's a prayer just about the cosmos. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur makes it a prayer about himself. And I thought I'd, I'd read his commentary, his tikka. I offer respects to the unmanifest, shukshma, the infinite, durantaya, to he who burns the universe by the fire from his mouth, Antakaya, O Sankarshana, burn out my bondage of infinite attachments to house and body, cause through the workings of possessiveness and ego. Then, after separating possessiveness and ego from those attachments, bind the possessiveness to the Vishaya, the Lord, and bind ego to my identity as a devotee, Ashraya. I offer my respects to you. Wake up my intelligence, O Prajumna, so that it will situate me in bhakti. So I think it, it's fascinating how Avishnara Chakravati took these universal cosmic truths about the Lord and then applied it to his own situation. And we can do that because we are a little sample of the cosmos, just like we're a little sample of the Lord. I was listening to Srila Prabhupada yesterday saying how if you're cooking rice I'm sure most of us have cooked rice so you can take one grain of rice and you pinch it and you can see how cooked it is and that way you can understand the situation of the whole pot or you take a drop of ocean water and you can examine its chemical constituency and that way you can understand what is the chemical nature of the entire ocean uh, it's very nicely explained in the third canto of the Bhagavatam by Shiva Prabhupada that the creation of the whole universe is paralleled in our own individual creation. Not, not not the creation of the soul, but our own individual material creation, our immaterial entanglement. Because we have Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur using this prayer of Lord Shiva as a means of understanding, asking for freedom from entanglement. So let's look at each of these in terms of the universe and then in terms of ourselves. So the first is the lord of attachment, the lord of integration, what the scientists call gravity. And uh, honestly, they don't understand gravity very well. Uh, the, the law of gravitation has a lot of gaps in it and a lot of things that it can't explain. Uh, my godbrother, uh, Vyasaki, uh, wrote a book on science, and I, I don't remember all the details, but he had a whole chapter on gravity and how there's many aspects of the theory of gravity or the law of gravity that uh, don't really make sense with each other, that their, their explanation of gravity is, is lacking. But there's some kind of integration, certainly. Prabhupada talks about it in a purport that it's like the Lord is holding the planets in his fist. And he said otherwise they would just become dust and scatter. So there's something that's holding our particular planet together, there's something that's holding each item together. You know, you have a pen here or a phone or there's something holding it together. Right? The scientists say that these uh, so-called solid objects are 95% space. So something's holding the pieces of the atom together. Something's holding right with that's atomic energy is where you split the atom. Something's holding uh the the molecules together the atoms to the, the parts of the subatomic particles together the atoms together into molecules the molecules together into various objects and then there's something that allows for space also you know the i have here on my desk a computer and a mouse and they're staying where i put them the mouse is not slamming into the computer there's some space between them so although there's attachment there's also a way for things to be their own thing. The light is its own thing, and the mouse is its own thing, and the cup is its own thing. And so it's being held together in its own thing, but it's not slamming into everything else. So there's, there's all these sorts of laws of integration and attachment. And then the planets are staying in their orbits... And they're staying in their solar systems and in their galaxies, and then they're moving uh, throughout the universe. Everything in the universe is moving. The sun is moving. And while it's moving, they're maintaining their relationship to one another. It's a very involved cosmic dance. That, you know, everything's moving together and it's moving around and up and down, and, you know, and things are not generally crashing into each other it's a much more involved uh, situation than say at a busy airport where the people in the control tower make sure that the planes don't crash into each other so there's this attraction again, the planets are being held together and the planets are attracted to each other so that they're staying in their orbit and yet they're not crashing into each other they're staying in their own lane They're staying. so there's something that's also keeping them away from each other <laughs> So they're staying and keeping away. And uh, here, Vishnachaka is talking about our attachment to house and body. That we also have this, this integration, that we've integrated ourselves into the world. That we think, I belong here. I belong in this body. There's something holding the soul inside of the body, that the soul doesn't just wander off, <laughs> you know. And, and not only to the body, but to our, our family, to our country, you know. Uh, I know for myself, I, I very much identify as an American. Uh, it's, it, it, it actually really struck me. I was born in New York, but I, I joined the Hare Krishna movement in Chicago. And one time I was being introduced for a class that I was born in Chicago, and I felt very offended. I'm not born in Chicago. I'm born in New York. So we have the, these this attachment to you know where we're born. We have this attachment to where we grew up. We have this attachment to our family, uh, to our home, especially. I mean, nowadays people move around a lot, but uh, it used to be that a person might be in the same home as their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents, their ancestral home and maybe there was a village where all the families knew each other again for generations and generations. And so people have some real sense of attachment uh, like that. And people are attached to their family name, uh, you know, what their families have accomplished. And we find this uh, very frequently even in the Shastra, that people are addressed in terms of their families. Even Krishna is talking to Arjuna like that. Uh, Opartha, right? and... You have great improper comments that Arjuna had great ancestry on his father's side and his mother's side, so he was expected to act like a great person himself. And this, uh, with uh, Vrikasura, when he was trying to kill Lord Shiva, and he's running throughout the universe, and then he finds the Lord, and the Lord says to him, "Oh, son of Shakuni," that's not jayodhan's uncle, different Shakuni, and Vrikasura is me. Oh, you know my family, you know my father, so I can trust you. So we have this sense of, of attachment to our, our body, our sense of attachment uh, to our family, to our home, to our city, <laughs> uh, to our country, uh, to our planet, to our species. You know, I'm human. <laughs> uh, we have all these sense of attachments that is coming from, you know, as Vishnu Gavaditaka was saying, ego, this is me, and possessiveness, this is mine. This is me, and this is mine. So this is also, the lord of, of integration is also doing this kind of integration. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to try to fulfill our material desires. We can only try to fulfill our material desires if we identify with this world, if we identify with the things of this world. Otherwise, it's not possible. It, it would, it, it's like when you get out of childhood and become an adult, And you just can't identify with the toys anymore. You know, when you were a little child, you could take your toys and, "And this is this toy, and this is this toy, and they say this, and they say this. And then you get to a point that you you just can't do that anymore. You know it's toys, you know it's fake, and you're just not able to do it. So in in a similar way, uh, if we know that we're not really part of this world, then we're not able to have this, we're not able to work in the world as a materialist, and fulfill our desire. So this is the Lord of integration. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, we have great devotees like Mark and who want to understand the Lord's Maya. How does, it, how does your illusion work to attract us to things that are actually not attractive? You know, the Lord himself is the Lord of attractiveness. We were saying he's called Krishna because he's the most attractive. That ultimately we're all attracted to Krishna but by his illusory energy, by his great power. He's able to create this sense of attraction to little bits of his energy. I mean, Krishna says in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that everything that's beautiful, glorious, splendorous, it's just a spark of my splendor. And if we're able to feel so much attraction to ordinary things, you know, to a house, a pile of bricks or wood or something like that, or uh, our homeland or whatever it is, You know our body. How much attraction could we feel for Krishna, right? Uh, But somehow that attraction for Krishna has been perverted to this. I mean, if if everything glorious and splendorous in the whole universe put together is only a spark of His splendor, then what are we attracted to? We're attracted to a a spark of a spark of a spark of a spark of a spark. You know something infinitesimal, like the the amount of medicine and homeopathic drug, you know that has been diluted, 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 uh, but still we're feeling some attraction. So this is the force of the Lord, and we can be amazed by this. We can be appreciative of this. Wow, this amazing ability that by the Lord's attractive power, it's the Lord's energy, the Lord's attractive power that's allowing me to become attached and attracted to very insignificant things. Then Krishna is also the lord of disintegration and the examples given of the fire coming out of his mouth. right? The fire coming out of his mouth. So, uh, he also breaks everything apart. Like a child might build a castle out of sand and then break it apart or might build a tower out of blocks and and knock it over, and the child is finding enjoyment of building it up and knocking it over again and building it up and knocking over again. So the Lord is also able to break all of these bonds. He's able to break all the bonds of the universe that the, everything burns up, everything is destroyed. There's no more planets, there's no more sun, there's no more moon, there's no more galaxies, uh, there's, there's no more species, there's no more molecules, there's no more atoms. Everything is just amalgamated in the Pradhan. And he's, he does this, of course, on a small scale, that he destroys countries and civilizations and, and cities and families and, and uh, objects. And he does it on the large scale that he destroys everything in the universe. So he's both. And we've talked about this before, but I, I think it bears repeating, that uh, generally theists focus on the Lord as the creator, as the Lord, as the Lord of integration. We worship the Lord because he is the Lord of integration, because he can integrate everything, because he can attract everything. Indeed, as I say, we worship Krishna as Krishna, the attractive one. And we don't so much worship the Lord as the destructive one. In fact, uh, in the Prabhupada's referring to the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. So there Arjuna asked Krishna, he said, you've told me how you're within the world, of fishes, I am the shark, of bodies of water, I am the ocean, and so forth. And now I would like to see that. And so first the Lord shows him just how all space is in one place and all time is in one time. And he is everything. And Arjuna is just filled with this adbhuta ras. He's filled with this real sense of wonder. And he loses some of his sakya bhav, he loses some of his friendship because he's so filled with wonder. You know, when you're friends with someone, you tend to think of them as, as equal. And although you're happy as your friend's accomplishments, uh, you're not usually in awe of a friend. And here Arjuna becomes in awe of a friend. But then at a certain point in the universal form, things shift. And the Lord, uh, going from just simply showing how he is everything and everywhere, and everything is him, and everywhere is him, and every time is him, and he is every time, all of a sudden, he switches to Destruction me, you know, Arjuna, and then Arjuna becomes afraid. It it switches from wonder to fear. Uh, Wonder and fear mixed together. Of course, Arjuna wasn't afraid in one sense because he knows that Krishna is, he still knows that Krishna is his friend, and and we know that because he says, I I have offended you so many times by calling you my friend. So he still has this sense of friendship with Krishna. At the same time, he says, I am very much afraid. And what is he afraid of? I mean, it. It's no longer just this wondrous, benign form. But there's fire, like here Prabhupada is talking about, Vishnu Chakrabhati Chakrabhita is talking about fire coming out of the mouths of the Lord. Uh, Generally, fire and the mouth of the Lord are equated. We say when we offer oblations into the fire of sacrifice, that fire is the tongue of the Lord, that fire is the mouth of the Lord. But there is fire coming out of the Lord's mouths in the universal form, and he's scorching the earth and of course, all the living entities in the universe are rushing into his mouths, Arjuna said, like moths rushing into a blazing fire, and they're being smashed between his teeth, because Krishna has the universal form, he devours everyone. Uh, it says even the brahmanas, uh, so although he's gobramani uh, Hitaicha, he's devouring the brahmanas, he's devouring everything. Uh, that doesn't mean we should make offerings of brahmanas <laughs> on our on our plate to the deities uh, Krishna wants butram push from pulam Toyam. but the idea is that Krishna's destroying everything he's 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 eating everything he's everything is going back into him, everything is disintegrating, everything is crashing right it's you think about some kind of you know total disaster where there's earthquakes and fires and floods and and that happens siveda. it happens. Is these great floods, and, and Matsya's coming, and so forth. And, and every every culture has a description of this destruction. But yet, uh, we don't generally worship the Lord as a Lord of destruction. I mean, it, when, Arjuna, when the universal form switches from the benign universe to Kala, to Kala, to time I am, the destroyer of the worlds, that's when Arjuna starts becoming upset and saying, you know, I, I don't... I don't want to see this form anymore, I'm afraid, I'm disturbed, everyone else is disturbed, Uh, show me another form, show me another form, show me your forearm form, show me your Narayana form. So we find this aspect of the Lord very disturbing, the destruction feature. Uh, We were speaking earlier today about uh, the Lord's mercy in both giving and taking away, and when the Lord gives us things, we gen- probably says we genuinely feel, oh, the Lord is so kind, he's giving me things. And when he's taking things away, we say, oh, why is the Lord so cruel? He's taking things away. You know, as a good, good friend of mine uh, just went through a very painful divorce, and he was saying, now I just want to be alone because I invested everything into that relationship and I had nothing to show for it. And I don't want any more relationships. And I said, you know, all relationships in this world are temporary. That even if you have a wonderful relationship, at least it's going to end to death, and that's pretty traumatic. You know, having the love, person you love die. One of my god sisters that lives here, an old friend of mine, her uh, third child, 43 years old, just died suddenly of a heart attack. No one even knew that he'd had a heart condition. And this is the way of the world. You know, that the people we love just die, and you know, this is this is the disintegration. Of the world So we don't like this aspect of the Lord. We don't talk about this. We, we tend to uh, think about destruction as something evil. You know, Lord Shiva is the destroyer. And our Revenger Sri once said that he feels some of the Western ideas about the devil are related to Lord Shiva. You know, the trident and having the ghosts and hobgoblins and things like that. So God is the creator. Right? But we don't see him as the destroyer. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's that's quite interesting. But God is also wonderful as the destroyer. He's also wonderful as the destroyer. And we've talked about this before, but again, it bears repeating: that he destroys very beautifully. Now, human beings cannot create like God. We're not able to create living beings. We can't create, you know, we can't artificially create a, an animal or a human or even a seed. We can't create a plant or an insect uh, from matter. We're, our creative ability is very limited. And we also can't destroy very well. One of the biggest problems in the world today is the fact that we're not able to destroy things, that the things that we've created are just. They're not disintegrating. (laughs) The master of all disintegrate. They're not disintegrating. You know, we're all using so many uh, plastic things. And plastic, of course, comes from petroleum. It's interesting that... What is petroleum? Petroleum comes from uh, plants. So plants were taking the energy of the sun, transforming them into their plant bodies, and then under certain conditions, when the plant bodies die the the energy of the sun gets transformed into petroleum, and the scientists have figured out a way to take this petroleum and use it and turn it into plastic. You know this really cool thing. So this plastic it can hold liquids without spilling, right? And it's lightweight. It doesn't break easily like glass. Uh, it's not cumbersome like metal. So the kind of things that people used to do to hold liquids clay and metal and glass. So it's, uh, plastic is superior in so many ways, but it won't disintegrate. It won't disintegrate. You know, when we first went to Jagannath Puri in 1986, I remember they gave us prasad from the Jagannath Puri temple in clay, uh, on leaf plates and in clay, and when you were finished, you just threw it on the ground, and the clay went back to the earth. But if you get it in plastic, you throw it on the ground, you know, it's going to take hundreds or thousands of years for it to go back into the, into the earth. So Krishna is also the master of disintegration. He can have something uh, go back into the cycle of life, that death becomes the, the medium for new life. And then Prabhupada also talks about how another feature of the Lord is responsible for growth and maintenance. So I think that's, I think that's fascinating, that you have Sankarshan who's integrating and disintegrating and integrating and disintegrating. And then you have Prajumna who's growing and maintaining, growing and maintaining, and growing and maintaining. And they're all the same person, but in different moods. And one is, okay, I'm going to integrate, and I'm going to disintegrate, and the other is, I'm going to grow, and I'm going to maintain. Uh, So I I thought that was really fascinating. And then the Lord of the Subtle, And, and Prabhupada talks about how this is very important. There's another place, I think it's in the Prayers of the Personified Vedas, where it's explained that the Lord's mercy is very subtle, it's very fine. Uh, it's not like ordinary mercy. Ordinary mercy, you might give somebody some object. You give someone a house or some money or some food or something like that. The Lord's mercy is extremely subtle. What one gets is, is very fine. I, I think We think of very, very very fine cloth, like really fine uh, diaphanous silk. It's super fine as compared to, say, super coarse boiled wool. Uh, the Lord himself is very fine. Everything about him, his features are very fine, his hair his clothing, his skin, his nails, and his love and his kindness is also very fine. So we have uh, Prabhupada's talking about the subtle body, that we have this gross body, and then we also have the subtle body, Our a sense of who I am, our intelligence to try to get things according to who I am, our mind rece- accepting and rejecting according to our intelligence. So the Lord is also like that. And the different forms of the Lord are in charge of different... Uh, elements like Aniruddha is in charge of the mind, Prajuna is in charge of the intelligence, and so forth. They're the, they personify these energies. Uh, it, it, amazing how, how the Lord is expanding and in different expansions is, exp- is, is in charge of different things. So, returning to Vishnu Thakur's prayer, he's saying that, Sankarshan, uh, please make me attached to you, please make me attached to the Lord. This feeling of integration, this feeling of possessiveness, mine, Uh, mamata. Give me this in relation to the vishaya. So right now, the Lord in the integration is having us think of mine, my body, my house, my home, uh, my family, my this, my that. But we want to say Krishna is mine. And I've heard Prabhupada talk about this at length, how we cannot simply give up possessions. You cannot say, well, you're going to own nothing. We want to own something. We want to have something that we say is mine. You know. I mean, sometimes the impersonalists try to give up all possession, like these Nagababas, where it means that they go naked. They don't even have some a little cloth covering their privates. They're just completely naked uh, with absolutely no possession at all. Uh, of course, many of them will have like a water pot or something like that, but some of them have absolutely no possession. Okay, I'm not going to own anything, but how are you going to not think that you're your body? Or they do their hair in fancy dreadlocks, and then you're going to think, you know, well, I'm my hair. <laughs> so, uh, or, or one may have some friends. Of course, a lot of them don't even do that. They stay alone in some cave in the Himalayas, and once a year they come and see their other Nagababa buddies. Uh, so they try to be without any possessiveness at all. yes. But this is not a natural state, and I don't think the whole world is going to become a nagababa living in caves. It's not very practical for us. And we find that as soon as we give up our possessiveness for something or someone, we become possessive for something else or someone else. So the natural state is to be possessive toward Krishna, the sense of mamata. Krishna is mine. And, and this is quite extraordinary, uh, because... Uh, how can Krishna be mine? I mean, it, it, one cannot own the Lord. That's not possible. Well, like we say, the Lord is ajita, he's unconquerable. He's not, he's attracting us. How can I attract him so that I, I own him? Huh? And it, in one sense, it sounds kind of exploitive, you know, you own somebody. Uh but, to think like that. Krishna is my son. Krishna is my friend. Krishna is my husband. Krishna is my beloved. You know, Even the Christians say, our father, who art in heaven. that something that Krishna is mine. And this is what we want. Our bhakti goes, such a logical, going right to this essence, that if we're going to be attracted, we should be attracted to the Lord. Not just attracted to his energy, and we want to be attracted without any destruction. So, what do we want to be destroyed? We want to be destroyed our false attachments, and we want to have, we want to have the disintegration of the illusion, and we want to have the integration of the reality. And it's very comforting that Krishna is expert at both. We don't want to focus just on the on the creation aspect. It's really comforting. Wow Krishna, you can take anything and disintegrate it in such a way that it's fully disintegrated and becomes the basis for something wonderful. So you can take my attachments to all the stupid things in this world that I'm attached to. You can disintegrate them. I can't any more than I can disintegrate plastic. You know, but you can disintegrate my my attachments to the spark of the spark of the spark of the spark of the spark. spark. And you can integrate my proper attachment from the beginning to you. Now that's the mind. But then there's the I. So Vishnu Chakravati says, for the I, I should be the ashraya, I should be the devotee. Now it's interesting he's using these terms, vishaya and ashraya, because these are used by Rupa Goswami in terms of vibab, that are support- our impetus for loving Krishna is Krishna Himself as the Vishaya, and then Krishna's devotees as the Ashraya. So, if one is attached to the Lord, say in a romantic mood, then the Ashraya will be like Srimati Radharani or Lalita or Rupa or someone like that, and the Vishaya is Krishna. But here, Vishnu Chakravaditakura is talking about ourselves becoming the Ashraya, ourselves coming, becoming the repository of this love for Krishna. So this is also uh, what we want to have our attachment to. We want to break this attachment to, you know, I'm I'm born in this place, and I grew up in this place, and I have this family, and all these things we were talking about. And we want to not simply have nothing. right? The impersonalists, the voidists, they're just like, well, I I have nothing. I have no birthplace. I have no family. I have nothing. I am just consciousness. You know, but that's not satisfying. So we want to have a sense of I-ness. We want to have a sense of ego. I am Krishna's devotee. Bhaktivinoda talks about the 11 aspects of our identity. We have our name. We have our form. We have our group that we're part of. Just like in this world, you know, some person is, well, I'm, I'm, you know, British, or they, say, that. they say I'm British, but they, they kick out the T, I'm Br- British, I'm British, right? I'm British, I'm Indian, I'm French, I'm American, I'm Canadian, right, my Canadian friends, are. they're very careful, I'm not American, you know, I'm Canadian, <laughs> so uh, we have a group, we have a spiritual group that we're part of. Hey, somebody, oh, I'm in Lalita's group, or I'm in Subal's group, or I'm in Mother Ohini's group. So we're, we're in some kind of group, and then we have our special service. Just like in this world, we identify, you know, I'm an engineer, or I'm a professor, or, you know, whatever it is. I'm, I'm this, I have my job, my occupation, my career. So there we have a service. Oh, I collect flowers, oh, I collect herbs, oh, I take care of the cows, or, or you know, I cook in the morning, or something like that. So we want to have the, the disintegration of this false, false attachments, integration of real attachment, the disintegration of the false identity, the integration of the real identity. And then when Vishnu Chakravati Thakur is going to the aspect of the subtle, he's saying, Wake up my intelligence, O Prajumna, so it will situate me in bhakti. So the animals, their intelligence is not very... Uh, functional on a high level. Like the animals, they see some sense object, they smell some sense object, they hear some sense object, and they're immediately attracted to it. The only reason they won't go for the sense object is if they think there's going to be some kind of uh, pain for them. You know, they see, oh, the other bull has that cow and that, that bull's stronger than me, or there's some man guarding the food with a stick, or there's an electric fence or something. There's some something that will cause me pain. In the way, but otherwise, they're just going to go right for the sense objects. So, the mind of the animal is controlled by the senses. And the idea as a human being is that the mind is controlled by the intelligence, and the mind then directs the senses. That painting of the chariot, where the chariot is the body, the senses are the horses, the reins pulling the horses are the mind. The driver is the intelligence. The passenger is the soul. So the idea is that the intelligence guides the mind, that guides the senses, that pulls the body around, that takes the body around. Now, I think a lot of us, or maybe most of us, or maybe all of us, would have to say that we often act like an animal. That you know, we'll we'll eat something. We know, uh, we know we really shouldn't have that second or third or fourth piece of cake, but our our tongue and our eyes are, are going for it or we know we shouldn't listen to that gossip or whatever, or well, we know we shouldn't speak that gossip, or we know we shouldn't go to that place, we know we shouldn't hang out with that person, we know we shouldn't read that thing, and and we do it anyway. We, we know that it, our intelligence is saying, this activity is not commensurate with your goals, your goals, your ideals. One devotee said to me yesterday, "I'm I'm not my best self, and I said, I think very few people are most of the time you know we're we're often something less than the best that we could be, and it, what's ironic is even it's not even happy for us to be less than we want to be you know it, it's not a happy place, but still, because our intelligence is not active, our intelligence is just kind of you know <laughs> asleep at the wheel and the 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 intelligence is not really holding the reins for these horses, the mind. So that the horses are just pulling the mind around everywhere. You can imagine some cart where the horses are just pulling the cart everywhere. Or, you know, a dog on a leash. I had an experience when I was young. How old was I? Nine, I think. Nine or ten. So my father had a dog. And uh, he would walk the dog in the morning. But it was my job to take the dog on a walk in the afternoon after school. So most of the time my mother wasn't home. And most of the time I was what they call a latchkey kid. So I would come home to an empty house. And uh, my mother didn't work but she, she didn't work for money, but she did our charity work and religious work. So she was usually out at, at her different things. So anyway, I'd come home and I'd get the dog. Bongo was his name. And I would take him on a walk. Right? So he could do his business. So one time when I was walking, our our house at that time was on a hill. And so I was walking the dog down the hill. And somehow the dog, the dog was trained, but it wasn't a fantastically trained dog. <laughs> yeah. And you could never have had that dog in a circus or anything. Anyway, he wasn't that well trained. And so he was supposed to stay right by me. You know, you're supposed to hold the leash and you say, heel, heel, bongo, heel, bongo. And he's supposed to... Stay right by you, but anyway, he didn't, and he ran ahead of me and he started, and I was, I was a kid, little kid, I was nine or ten, so this dog is pulling me down the hill very quickly. I'm, I'm having to run, and I'm trying to pull on the leash, and and heel, Bongo, heel, Bongo, and he's not listening to me, so he's running and running and running down the hill, and all of a sudden he decides to stop, and he stopped right in front of me, so like he was. He was parallel to me, and then he became perpendicular to me. He stopped in front of me, and I fell over him. I tripped over him because he stopped so suddenly. I, I didn't have time. I fell over him. I was holding the leash with my left hand, and I fell onto my left wrist. And I didn't know it at that moment, but I broke my left wrist. And I, you know, although he stopped momentarily after I fell over him, he started pulling on the leash. So my left wrist was really hurting. I didn't know why, and I was holding the the leash then with my right arm, but he's pulling, so I couldn't use my right hand to leverage myself to get up, because he's pulling. I couldn't use my left arm because it was broken. And I I lay there on the road for about two hours Mm -hmm. until the older kids came back from school on their bus, and then one of them came by and and saw me, you know, why are you lying on the road, what's going on, And, and she helped me to get up and help me to come home, and, and so forth. So it's often like that. If our senses, they're like these wild, these uncontrolled animals, they're not trained, and they're pulling on, this, on the leash, they're pulling on the reins, and so the person in the chariot is, is injured and is, is suffering in so many ways. So, therefore, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, with this prayer, he's saying, Intelligence, wake up, wake up. You know, you got like this sleeping intelligence, you know. Well, the mind is, is just lost control of these senses and they're going everywhere. You know, wake up, wake up, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Chandra Bola, you know. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And intelligence be situated in bhakti. Prajumna, who's the lord of intelligence, situate me in bhakti. So in this way, this prayer can be seen that Prajumna, he's running the the subtle things in the whole universe. Please run my subtle things. Please run, you know, Oh great Lord, who controls the subtlety in the universe, please wake up my subtle intelligence. Oh great Lord, who's arranging all the integration of the universe and the moving of the planets, please let me be integrated to my real identity, where you are mine, and I am your devotee. You are mine, and I am yours. O oh Lord of integration, you who causes the perfect destruction of the universe, please disintegrate my attachment to things that are just a little spark of a spark of your energy, seen separately from you. Now please disintegrate that. Please have that be finished, all oh my artist. So this is a very beautiful prayer of Lord Shiva, and we have a little bit of time if there's questions or comments or additions, subtractions, corrections, chastisements.
1: That was a uh, very practical, uh, however, I have a probably impractical, very technical question if I could ask. Um, you know, I've always, always been fascinated by uh, the description of to Pilate, uh, the process of creation of the Third Canto, uh, the cultural introduction of Vishnu, you know, the mixture of time, then the Maha and then it's ego. And, you know, we get the world that uh, we see now, it's all broken down into different stages. And I've never been able to uh, relate that to the uh, Um So I, I have some speculation. I was wondering if you could tell me if this is worth anything or not, uh, because we're just talking about Sankarshan and Pradyumna. You know, they uh, from their potency, we have integration, disintegration. So would it be? Fair to say that that disintegration from Sankrishan, he does it through Lord Shiva and his Rudra expansions, and then similarly, Pantyumna, the power of our intelligence, he does that through uh, Kshirvakshay Vishnu and the Paramatma, by maintaining the universe?
0: I don't know, but that certainly sounds reasonable. Lord Shiva. particularly worships um, Sankarshaman. Let me just get some more water. Anyway, that sounds reasonable, but I, I don't know. It's not something I've ever thought about and ever put any time into, so... It's not something I've done any research about at all. It's a fascinating question, and certainly one that's worthy of the research and time and care to find out the
1: answer. Okay. I'll ask a question that um, maybe you can answer. Um, you were talking about um, the your friend who lost her son. Was, just at forty-two, um, I think you said.
0: 43, yeah, mentioned. just like yesterday or the day before, I think two days ago. Yeah,
1: it's funny, I have a... Uh, well, this is just a little side. I have a next-door neighbor. I don't know very well, but every morning he he drives here because he's up really early, and I'm up really early. So, like, at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm out on the street chanting Joppa, and he's going to work early, and he every morning he as he comes by he rolls his window down clenches, clenches his fist and we just sort of uh, knock fist together just in a very friendly way okay that's really my only relationship with him but really nice and he just also just day before yesterday just out of nowhere just died of a heart attack hmm. um, anyway yeah it, and it's it, funny it, no matter how many times you hear how <laughs> birth death old age and disease um it when someone close to you dies, it really—it's uh, it, almost like you're—you you feel like you, you, you think you'd be more prepared. You're prepared, it definitely. You can—I can handle it, and you can see it from Shastra, But still, it—it it, um, it shakes you. It, it, yeah, it's—it's it's freaky. It's—and it's, um, it just confirms. I'm really glad I'm on this path. But um, anyway, that wasn't my question. My question was about the... um, You mentioned one of the things that you said to your friend was that all relationships are are temporary. But I was thinking that isn't there a a, a difference between material and spiritual relationships in terms of, like, for example, I had a wonderful, wonderful material relationship with my mom. But my mom died at age age... I was 15. You know, she was... considerably older. She was almost 80. Um, I guess there was a slight spiritual component because she did chant one round a day for many years and she read the Bhagavad Gita and she was, no, not a devotee, but she was sympathetic. I have friends that, one on this this, uh, Sangha right now, Raghava Prabhu, we've been very, very, very dear friends since we were seven years old. And I look back at the relationship of us, you know, growing up from age seven through when we joined the movement together. And it seems like there's a different quality, and almost an eternal component to relationships with the devotees versus relationships with the you know, our, our non devotee associates in this world. Something feels something feels very different and almost feels like there's an eternal component. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, my first thought is that a lot of people think that way about their relationships. <laughs> it's, it's not uncommon for materialistic people to describe relationships like that, that I feel like I'm with you eternally, and they sing songs like that, I'm going to love you until the end of time. Uh, that is actually quite common. And I think that part of it is because that's what we want, we're, we're residents of a world where things are eternal and they don't get broken. And it's it's that feeling, you know. I mean, you have religions like the Mormons. They say that if you get married in their temple, you'll be eternally married. And I've often wondered if everybody really likes that concept. You know, <laughs> I mean, not all, mar- not, all mar- not all marriages are such that you really want to be with the person eternally. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, a, I don't know if, if that's really attractive. Uh, so having said that, I think we should keep that in mind. Uh, of course, spiritually, we, all, we have an eternal relationship with every living entity of some kind or another. And if we're working on developing our real identity, we may start to become aware of that sense on the spiritual level but it's not going to be quite like a relationship here you know We're, we'll have different we'll be in different positions in different situations mm-hmm. it's not that you know if someone's my mother here that they're going to be eternally I'm going to have that kind of relationship with them it may be very different but ultimately we are connected with everyone eternally so part of that sense is an imposition, that I'm imposing my desire for eternality on the temporary. And part of it is a little bit of that awareness that I am eternal and everyone is eternal and I do have an eternal relationship with everybody. So it's, you can say that about a lot of things with Maya, where we're, we're trying to impose something spiritual on the material. And also we have a little inkling somewhere, at least in the human form, we have a little inkling that it's supposed to be that way my relationships with people aren't supposed to break. I mean Prabhupada said we'd have another iskon in the spiritual sky. You know, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that it would we'd have like the G B C you know, not
1: like that falls into that Mormon paradigm and I'm so sure I wouldn't be part of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not like that. It's not like that. But in other words, we all all have an eternal relationship It's centered around Krishna. I mean, definitely, the more we develop our sense of spirituality, the more we feel something genuine
1: that doesn't get broken. Yeah, maybe that's where I'm going with it. Just something feels so different about my relationship with my devotee friends that I... It just doesn't exist in the relationship.
0: Well, because the the center is genuine.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas with non-devotees, I mean, we could still have a genuine center with a non-devotee. It's just that it's not reciprocated. Mm. So I Mm. could still, you know, see this person as a soul and have that, and it could be genuine, but they're they're not seeing me that way. They're seeing me in terms of, you know, so that's it's... It doesn't feel quite the same. Mm. But thank you for that. Anybody else?
1: Well, I just, one thing that crossed my mind, anybody so else on anything, was you are talking about destroying things. You gave the example how we can't destroy. I mean, you gave a brilliant class. I remember, in fact, I recorded that class. Like, have At my computer, <laughs> where you talked about uh, how we don't we can't destroy and how beautifully Christian destroys. Um, I remember that class really well. Um, that was one of the things that crossed my mind. You were giving example of like plastic, you know, we you know, we create this thing, but we, you know, we can't get rid of it. I was thinking a really good example is in um. It's becoming more and more popular, nuclear energy. Mm. So we're doing amazing things with with nuclear energy. But my God, what what we can't get rid of is oh. the waste from that, oh. and the plutonium, and and oh. they don't know what to do with it. They they put it in these in these metal as thick as they can get metal tanks, and they bury them in mountains. And who knows what's going to happen? If they it's frightening.
0: Yeah, that's actually even a better example than. Than plastic, the, the nuclear waste. Yeah. Where they just, you know, it's a it's yeah. a nightmare. They don't have a clue what to do with it. They not have a clue. That's right. Yes. Uh, my teacher, uh, you know, Chinch is here. I don't know why he's not asking this question, but he asked this last night. Uh, we couldn't answer. Uh, with the example that you gave about the chariot, Uh, with veins and you know the horses all that Uh, is there a place in that analogy about the false ego about? no I I don't think so about what? well the driver the self is the is the passenger but the self is there considered to be the soul not the false ego but I suppose the the passenger could also be there as the false ego but no it's usually just the self as a soul so yeah I had never thought of that. you up a couple of things today, I never thought about. That's fun. Okay, thank you very much. Shloka prabhu ke jai, Shrimad Bhagwatam jai. Thank you very much.